With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Staples, we have the experience and expertise to keep your facilities clean and safe with over 5,000 professional-grade facilities and cleaning products in stock every day. And with next-day delivery available to over 98% of the U.S., you get what you need when you need it. Our experts can help you solve tough challenges, too. They average over 15 years of facilities experience, so you can be sure they understand your needs. That's the Staples Business Advantage. Sign up at staplesbusinessadvantage.com. Hello and welcome to week 25 of the Foot Weekly Podcast. It's the first of many American editions of the Foot Weekly Podcast as I'm out here for a couple of months. More on that, I'm sure, throughout this podcast and future podcasts. But the here and now is that we've got Ian and Steve on to discuss various things from the community negativity to how to beat AI defending and park the bus. All that coming up in this week's podcast on Foothead and all your usual podcast platforms. So, Steve aka the foot coach aka chris sutton on ovaltine hello mate howdy partner how's it going over there y'all yeah it's, it's good the one thing actually you'll be you'll be interested to know this actually let's bring in our other guest i don't want to ramble on without bringing in ian ian sterling how are you doing i'm very well mate great to have you how back how are you it's been a while it's been a while we're using my new technology yeah we should point that out this is the first time i'm doing a podcast with ian where he's not in the room which is obviously disappointing because you're not here but I think we've managed to make it work. I know, I'm pretty excited. I've never sort of... This is just incredible. Just, I'm sat in my own house. The wonders of modern technology. I know, it's insane. So yeah, let's make this happen. Yeah, and actually talking modern technology, finally got an Xbox, which is great. Thanks to Foothead for sorting that out because I didn't have one for a few weeks. But the only downside is I'm playing on a really massive 720p TV and also over Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'm back on Wi-Fi at the minute and I'm not enjoying it whatsoever. (laughs) It's horrible. Yeah, it's absolutely... It's sort of that... Do you know what? It sounds so stupid, the whole Wi-Fi wired connection thing. But do you know that thing when you drink Diet Coke for ages and you sort of convince yourself, this tastes just <laughs> like normal Coke, maybe better. <laughs> then you have actual Coke and you're like, oh my God, this is exactly. brilliant. That is exactly what it feels like. And um, obviously I've been having normal Coke for a long time and just had a bit of Diet Coke and I'm like, oof, tastes weird. Brutal. Yeah, I, got, I just got all this new setup and I can't work out how to get 
internet upstairs, mm. all that technology, and they can't do it. So oh, actually, do you know what you should get? Um, Powerline adapters. That's the way. I use them, but for some reason, it doesn't quite work for oh, me. Oh, right. It's probably, probably maybe your power lines aren't connected. Maybe my, yeah, maybe it's my um, actual physical what plug sockets that aren't yeah yeah that's something. possible anyway enough um technical uh chat for one week i think we've got some interesting discussion topics this week obviously we've missed a bit of promo content with icon moments coming out just after the last podcast or a little while after the last podcast have you got hold of any of these uh, ian at all i've done pity but just the loan card yeah, yeah. because i'm not willing to spend Thirty thousand pounds on a FIFA card. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's quite expensive. I was actually using him myself because I got his loan card. He's what I essentially chucked into my team to play some games here and to get the chemistry to work. And he's pretty good, isn't he? I mean, he's a he's. I mean, he's great. I I, I really really like him. Mm. Um, that extra pace. I mean, I've used actually as ninety, and uh, the extra pace really does. He does. He does feel quick. He's chunky though, yeah. isn't he? He's, he's not exactly the most agile. No, he's, I don't know what he's... I would love... Do you know what? I'm going to look it up as we play. I've never had my PlayStation in front of me either. Someone's going to my squad. I don't know what his balance is, but you're right. He feels he feels very Peter Crouch mm, Yeah, on the ball. But then he's kind of yeah. quite big, so at least he gets in the way. Yeah, his balance is, 70, his balance is 75 and he's, he's dribbling 73, which still mm. is okay. But when you consider the rest of his cards absolutely insane, it does explain why he feels a little bit yeah. clunky. It's when you receive but the ball and you look to move it on. He's a little bit... Yeah, but you know. 96 stamina and 91 composure. Yeah. Like Defensively, he's a, he's a rock. He, he really is. I yeah. really like him. Um, he's got high-high, though, so he does get forward a bit. But, you know, I'm... I'm but I, then that 96 stamina means it doesn't really... He can exactly, box, yeah. Box he gets about really and he's got good pace. I put Shadow on him even on the loan just to just to uh, get the best pace out of him. And it's quite, quite a impressive. Five, a little cheeky 5K and a loan Well, card, you know, I was, I was considering doing him and I thought, you know, I've got to give myself an accurate uh, assessment of what the, what the card's going to be like. So... I decided to go for it, took the plunge. Um, and yeah, no, he's a very good card. I mean, to be honest, 1.4 mil, considering what some of these Icon SBCs are costing, Baggio is nowhere near that quality and he's at similar price. So um, Yeah, no, that's a fair point. He's not he's not bad value. And also for in the, in the position as well, because let's like, say, for example, a Rud van Nistelrooy is incredible, but if you'd done that flashback Ebra or like uh, mm. uh, just your regular gold Ronaldo or something, there's other, but there's other players. Whereas if you're looking for something like Petit, you're looking at like, team of the year Kante or something like that so actually yeah. he might be a bit value for money yeah I know what you mean and aside from Icon moments though we've got the what are they calling it foot player days I think promotion that came the previous Friday quite a nice promo in terms of giving people something to do between bigger promos I suppose yeah buy one get one free uh, packs a big kind of discounts on those and coin discount packs as well and then you also saw a best of informed players, which included special cards and quite a good uh, thing for the market in terms of dropping prices a little bit, Steve. Yeah, I, I think it really caught people on the hop. I don't think people were expecting the, the two for one to come at this point. I think traditionally it tends to come with the Chinese, the Lunar New Year promotion. And I think people just kind of took their eye off the ball and presumed that because it hadn't dropped at that time, that maybe it just wasn't going to drop at all and people weren't prepared for it. I, I was quite fortunate in that I just sold my team on the off chance that something was, was, was going to happen this weekend because I wasn't planning on playing a great deal. But yeah, it's uh, it's really 
it's taken the market's taken a pretty huge hit as a result of it. Yeah, and uh, Ian on the trading front, last time obviously you had great success. I think you were on it was the last time you were on the podcast with that Champions League or UCL Buffon. Um, yeah, have you had any recent exploits on the trading front? Well, no, How but this, we but this is a good time to. This is the one investing thing I know is when prices drop like this because of a sort of promo or like with the UCL because when UCL was re- released, all the prices dropped. I've not had a look yet properly, but you want to just go in and look at a card, a meta card that's used that's dropped heavily because of this promo, and then just buy a few because the prices always re- rebound back until about team of the season when um when obviously packs just become crazy but there must be a there must be a few rare gold cards that have taken a real hit that will definitely go up a couple of k in value whenever there's a promo like this i think you can be pretty safe that the value will drop on sunday night i mean you get the the inevitable weekend league sell-off and that coupled with the dip that's caused by the promotion you can you can always pick up players pretty cheap on a Sunday night, and you can be pretty sure of making a, a decent profit by Thursday when people are buying the teams back for weekend league anyway. So there's there's not really anything with to these lose. packs and how relatively terrible this team of the week is. I think some of the higher rated team of the week players this week, because prices have fallen so much and they're in packs. If you're looking at doing some icons down the line or you mm. know flipping some cards i think this team of the week could be a really good place to invest like that um, javi martinez 86 rated in form spanish and from the bundesliga if prices are low at the minute he'd he is sbc fodder you know especially yeah, with 53 definitely. pace and Verratti is the other one, isn't he? He's Verratti as well, absolutely. High rated, but pretty cheap. I mean, 45k on Xbox. I think you can get him for similar price on PlayStation. I might go and pick up a couple of them right this yeah, second. Yeah, that's very cheap for an 87 rated inform. And um, with big icon SBCs coming out at the moment, with him about to go out of packs. Also, um, they're trying to make shout. those prime um, moments SBCs affordable, which means actual prime icons become very cheap. Like Nedved, again, I've not, I'm looking at doing them just because I've done that baby SBC and had an um, Overmars kicking about who's horrific. <laughs> but you really only need an 83 rated, an 84, an 85 rated squad if you've got the icon. Mm-hmm. For a prime icon, that is, he's got to be going for fairly cheap, like, do you mean fairly cheap? Yeah, exactly. So I think prime, if you've got a prime icon you've got your eyes on, or if, if this week's team of the week, I, from my very novice trading standpoint, I don't think you can go wrong with that. Could that be the next UCL Buffon from Ian Sterling? We'll have to find out and only time will tell. One thing that we have found out about and we do seem to find out about every year about this time is the fact that the community struggles to stay positive through the post-team of the year period. It's been dampened down a little bit because of the fact that we had some big promos to follow, but the promos have tailed off a little bit and you're seeing a lot more negativity around. Steve, I know you wanted to talk about that this week. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've, I've kind of got on my soapbox a bit about this, I suppose, because I started muting certain words ages ago because I was fed up of the, of the negativity that goes around on Twitter all the time. But it's just, it seems to be hitting a crescendo. And as you say, it's, it's kind of cyclical in that we get to this point of the year in FIFA and there's the team of the year lull. Um, and it happens anyway, but it just seems to be kind of amplified this year. And... My my problem with it really is, I, I mean, okay, I get it. We we all know anybody who plays this game knows that there are issues, that there are issues with shots being aimed, 
where there's no pressure on a player, they're aimed directly at the goal, and they're going wide, or they're flying over the bar, or you know, that's just one. There, there are plenty, okay? And the, the thing that just grinds me down is that people seem to feel this need to constantly be expressing it as if it's going to make it better. I could understand it from the point of view of, okay, there's this issue, we need to let EA know about it, we need to let the devs know about it, we need to let Gabriel Zaro, whatever, we need to let them know. But they're aware, the position change glitch, okay, a minor issue. They've been made aware of that, it's been fixed. I would imagine that if they're aware of something like that and they can address it, They'll be aware of a, a fairly major issue like shots being aimed on target and flying wide for no reason. So I don't see why people have the need to just constantly whine about it. And I think that, I think it's also kind of emblematic of the fact that a lot of people just take this game way too seriously. You, some of the, some of the moaning, some of the whining that you see on the back of weekend league results. Yes, I mean, what we're doing when we're playing FIFA and what we need to remember is that we're, uh, Ian will know what I'm talking about with this being, being a writer. When, when we engage with any kind of media, whether it's a video game or a film or a book, we suspend our disbelief, okay? We, we act like we're engaging with something that's real when we know that we're actually not engaging with something with, that's real. It's a game. It's, it's, it's a, a football simulator, okay? And, I think that there's a real problem in the community that people are, are, are losing sight of that fact. They're, they're not... <laughs> it's, it's kind of fun to, to act like it really matters. That's where the fun in the game is. But when you get to a point where it does actually really matter and it starts affecting your mood and you feel the constant need to vent, whether it's on social media or being in a bad mood with the missus who's kicking around or, you know, whatever it may be. That's when there's a real problem. And I, to paraphrase it, I just think that people need to get a bit of a grip. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree there are a lot of issues with the game and uh, I'll read out a message in a second from someone who's trying to highlight that. But one of the things that makes me kind of frustrated is you see plenty of content creators who, while I know that they are frustrated with the game, and you'll see for Economist talks about this a lot, and it's this idea that misery loves company and that they know they'll drive engagement if they put negative views on Twitter because people lurking on Twitter at this time of the year are a little bit down about FIFA because there's not the level of content that there once was. How many games do you play for sort of eight months pretty solidly? And let's be honest, most people listening to this podcast probably play FIFA way more than any other game and they're playing a game which was released in September regularly still. And I think sometimes you've got to take a step back and think, well, actually, there are problems with this game, but I just want to kind of get on, enjoy it, try some new cards, have a bit of fun. I think we're getting to that point in the game where you really need to start thinking like that. Otherwise, it will bring you down when really it's not <laughs> your experience of playing a game shouldn't be about that at all. Yeah, it's, it's, the important thing is that it's, it's just a game. That, that's really the bottom line in all of this. And the point that you make about content creators is, is, is a great one and a really important one because I think that it's, it's, it's almost taking the easy route. You know, as you say, misery loves company, but with my kind of coach's hat on for a moment, the only way that you're ever going to get better at this game or at anything in life is that you've got to accept personal responsibility for it, okay? 
if you if you look at the things that are within your control and do something about that, you're on the right lines. But if you focus on things that are completely beyond your control, you're just wasting your time, your your energy and your focus. You should be trying to control what you can control. And when content creators are, are pumping out this all of this, well, I'm going to call it nonsense, it's probably a bit harsh, but when, when they're pumping out all of this stuff that's saying to people, it's not you that's bad, it's the game that's bad. That is mm. kind of, it's, it's like an enabler. It, it gives them that sort of sense of, oh, well, you know, actually I'm okay. And that that builds this community of negativity where everybody is drawn to it because it makes them feel a bit better about themselves. Whereas in actual fact, the only way that anybody's going to have a better experience of playing this game is by separating what they're in control of from what they're not in control of. If, if there's a problem with the game where shots are being belted over the bar when they're aimed on target, there's nothing you can do about that. You've just got to accept that and try and develop the areas of the game that you can affect. And yeah, and I want to, sorry, I want to dive in quickly yeah. before Ian jumps in because you've said that and that sounds like we don't care, we don't want it to change or, the, or that we can't make a change so we're not going to bother, which isn't true. You know, I've been on in conversation with devs and all that kind of stuff, putting your feedback, everyone's feedback who writes into the podcast and it going off to the devs. The devs are fully aware of every single negativity point of feedback that the community um, has and they know it all. Whether they're the business people at EA can afford them time to work on it is is another issue, you know. So I think we should just say we are putting people's feedback to EA and also that the devs are aware of all these things that people bring up. It's just a case of whether they get fixed this year, whether they can find the time to fix them. But I also think that you're right to say you send off your feedback, send it to us, send it to Zaro or Corey or whoever. Um, but then you've got to think what am I going to do to improve my enjoyment of the game? I think, I think it's also the way you approach uh, approach it. There's two, for me, there's two very different arguments here. Because there's one argument, which is EA make a load of money through FIFA. And I'm, I'm not involved in like the game changers or, any, or, or anything like that. And I, the way I look at it is, EA make a lot of money through FIFA. They make a lot of money yeah. through packs. That whole world is exacerbated through the, 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 more, the more dedicated fan base uh, that they have so when there is glaring mistakes like at the start there was the whole um division rivals rewards and things like that that are annoying people and they they basically it seems like easy things they don't change because it, essentially their logic is everyone's playing the game they look at the profit margins nothing's changed profit wise we can carry on the way we're going that's absolutely fine uh, and I think there is times when you've got to go, when things like Apex and games like that start coming out, you're like, that is for a profit from FIFA, that they're bringing these things out and then they seem to spend all this money and attention on another game where the, you've got to realise where your core money is coming from. And annoyingly, there is enough casuals playing FIFA that if you love this game and you've played it for me, I've played this game since FIFA 98 before then, but like when I actually played it, played it, I mean, it annoys me that it feels like they're doing nothing to the game because there's enough people coming through that they're going to make their money either way. That's annoying. But then to counterbalance that, what does my head in is when someone plays the game 30 hours a day, maybe even more, or even 10 hours a week, sorry, 30 hours a, a week, or say even 10 hours a week and you do it for nine months and then you're like well the game it's the same way to score a goal it's all very repetitive that's because we've to a minute point worked out exactly how to play the game and how to do it people go i don't care when i um 
losing Apex, but I really care when I lose in FIFA because you're bored of FIFA in a sense. You've played it, you know the mechanics, you know what a player's doing and some mechanics can't be broken. So we've got to balance out what are the faults in the game that are being ignored because they're making money anyway and EA are a company and they're not going to do things that aren't cost effective and balance that off with Normally, you would play, I love Last of Us. I played it twice. It took me eight hours the first time, five hours the second. I played it for 13 hours. Of course, I love Last of Us. I play, I've played FIFA 13 hours in a day once during a painful breakup. But the point is, I done it. So that's, what, that's the balance you've got to get. You've got to think, is this a problem with the game? Or when people put up a, look at this deflection shot that went in in the 92nd minute, this game's broken. No, you've played 30 games that day. In football, look at the, I mean, Liverpool, we drew against Everton, but our win against Everton. If Pickford done that in FIFA, and it was done by a big uh, content creator, it would have a thousand retweets and everyone would say, the game's yeah. broken. That's football. If you play enough, those problems are going to come up so i think that's the the two sides of the argument you've got to balance out am i being toxic because i'm bored of the game or am i being toxic because there's fundamental flaws that need changing that you aren't going around doing that's the balance that i feel all of that's getting smashed into one argument currently which isn't can i can i just go back to the, the first point that you made in because i think there's there's it's a great point and i think there's there's something that needs to be added to that and i think that it's maybe the actual source of of a lot of people's dissatisfaction. There are issues like, I mean, I, I myself am kind of guilty to an extent of trying to deny that it is a problem, but as we've gone further through games, it's clear that one example of a problem that hasn't been addressed over over more than one edition of FIFA now is is the kickoff issue. I mean, it's, it's supposedly been patched, but it's still there. It's still easier. It's mechanically easier to score kickoff goals because of the way the defenders behave. Yeah. And this has been a known issue. Um, it's, it's happened repeatedly in pro tournaments. EA's attention has been drawn to this matter to the point where they say they have patched it. They're obviously aware of this issue, but it's not being fixed. And I think that in order to, to address this, this issue fully and to maybe set people's mind at ease, we need to know why. Why isn't it being fixed? Is it a case that it technically can't be fixed? Is it a case that from a, a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense for it to be fixed? Why? You know, people are pumping good money into this game. And I, I think on, on that level, I think people are justified in, in being quite angry and frustrated because although there's been more transparency in terms of communications through Zaro and Corey and the comms team, great, fantastic pitch notes, brilliant. But we need to know why these glaring issues that are happening time and time again aren't being fixed. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think I'm in a fortunate position that anyone who's part of the Game Changers Network for kind of knowing a bit more about the workings and the the like a struggles that they have in implementing certain things um and I, i'm not personally frustrated with the people who work at ea because they are genuinely doing um the best job they can but obviously you've got to bear in mind as we were saying earlier you know it's a business um then you get a certain amount of time to work on different things before suddenly they're having to release the next um game in just a year's time which is a, a tight turnaround for any franchise especially something which um you know really could do with certain things being fixed over a matter of years to put a weird comparison together it's kind of like um 
politics where people are elected every four years, but realistically countries should be planning for the next 20 or 30 or 50 years. And so as a result, everything's very short termist. I think it's the same somewhat in the development of FIFA, because how are you going to develop a game for the long term, fix long running issues? So many of the issues that people bring up are things that have been issues for a really long time in the game that aren't actually things which are just FIFA 19 issues. Fixing those kind of things which you know, realistically, let's be honest here, aren't going to affect a huge percentage of the FIFA player base because the people we interact with and the people who are probably listening to this podcast are the very kind of committed top tier percentage of FIFA players who obviously are still a big group, but it's it's those things that get left behind. And, you know, really you need a restructuring of the way the game works and the game releases work to get those things fixed. Um, and I'd love to see it, but I don't see such a successful franchise changed completely um, in order to um, have those things fixed. Um, So I think this goes back to, as you were saying, Steve, looking at what you can do to make your experience better. I I agree, absolutely. You know, that is the bottom line in it all. But I think also, as I said right at the beginning of this little sort of mini rant, if you like, there's always this kind of discontent at this stage of the game cycle. But I think that if I was EA right now, I'd probably be aware that this is ramped up more more each year. And mm. it's, it's, it really is reaching a crescendo. And I think that unless there are steps taken to address these long-standing issues or there's more transparency so that people have an understanding of why these issues aren't being addressed, I, I fear that people are going to start walking away from the game. And as somebody who's whose livelihood basically depends on on player engagement that is something that's that's a big concern to me and i think it should be for ea too yeah i think ian you might be able to relate to this as well as someone who's played the game for a very long time for me one of the big problems with the game and i've mentioned this before many times i think on the podcast is that actually over the last couple of years the push towards competitive fifa has meant that things are exposed in the game that maybe in previous years weren't like in the in the past I would play a similar num- ridiculous number of games every year um, without the likes of foot champs without the likes of um, what are the other modes I guess rivals now etc and I'd happily play a, to- a ton of games and the quality of opposition that I play was really varied because you didn't have the same system as say rivals or even foot champs to an extent where you're matched up against people with the same the quality squad you'd come up against were very varied yeah yeah exactly um, it was much more casual right and and that made things I guess much more appealing to continue playing long term in terms from a game gameplay perspective because you'd never really see game after game the flaws in in the simulator exposed yep. in the same way. I think also that's another maybe argument for EA is like maybe the they made a bit of a bit off more than they can chew or certainly weren't expecting uh, Fut Champs to be as popular as it was. And they thought, what another great way of hmm. making some a quick buck and it's sort of backfired on them to the sense like actually this is probably isn't worth the hassle it's now caused because this level of scrutiny never was never in the game and again people are going to want better results if you're investing especially i mean I, I look back now when it was 40 games a week i mean what was i up to like them how did we do it <laughs> how, like how did i like it was it was in it was insane and then you put this competitive thing and then you've if you want a competitive game mode, then you've got to have a, a cons- the gameplay has to have a consistency and a fairness. But football doesn't have consistency or fairness. So I think they've come up with this real juxtaposition between the real essence of football and 
a computer game simulator and it's maybe something they're struggling to find the balance and it's you're right the whole the kickoff boost for example you see it in like the big tournaments all the time that shouldn't be a thing um but there must be, you take that uh, the mechanic out that stops that from happening and the whole game becomes unbalanced like when they got rid of finesse finishing and now all of a sudden you can't score a goal because ai defending is so great but that mm. level i never talked about fifa to that to that nth degree before foot champs happen so i just I do, I do think foot champs is one of the is one of the things that has turned this game toxic in a way. And also, I look back every weekend league that I played, with a few exceptions, I've either got to the end, got terrible rewards, and thought, "Why didn't I spend Saturday with my friends?" <laughs> like, do you know, like, do you know what I mean? Or I've just mm-hmm. got annoyed at the game because I've lost stupid games. But although I, if I'm being honest with you, I'm I'm not that good, and I'll make goal three pretty easy every time so it doesn't actually bother me sometimes but i look at some people losing their absolute minds i'm like go outside like what are, what yeah. are you doing it's a game yeah, it's a game and i think foot chaps has, has skewed that for a, for a few people myself included i mean you know when i lived in a flat on my own if i had a weekend to myself and it is something to think about a bigger picture of mental health such a big issue but you know i got to the stage where if i was in the flat and I had no work that weekend. I was like, great, I can play foot champs. I wasn't phoning up people to make mm. see if they were around to, you know, to hang out or anything. And it mm-hmm. is something that maybe you have to think about. Like, there must be a way of making it better for the casual. And then they can have another game mode that works better for the high-end players and keep everyone happy. But in order to do that, they're going to have to spend money on the game. And the bottom line is, they're not going to spend money on the game while it's not affecting the profit margins. And you can argue that's a bad thing, or you can argue that's good business, essentially. Effectively. I think you're absolutely right, Ian. I think that the effect of the foot champs is that it's turned everybody into a competitor. And when people become competitive, everybody starts looking for that edge. And, and that's where you get that real investment in the game, which, you know, again, I'm not going to decry that. My livelihood depends on it. Great. Love it. But it's, yeah, I, I'm not sure that the, the majority of people are really equipped to, to handle that. And I think there's, there's a real danger that a lot of people are losing sight of, of what the game actually is, that they're becoming far too emotionally invested in it. And I think that that is, is a burgeoning problem. And one of the key things about this move towards the competitive, which I personally think from an enjoyment of the game perspective has been a serious negative, um, especially because the pro community, you know, who I just want to say, I know many pro players and they're great people, but the negativity in the community is toxic from pro players a lot of the time because their livelihoods depend on the game and because their frustrations with the game are so much more acute than really anyone else's and quite rightly that that's created a lot of negativity plus the fact that the modes of rivals and of foot champs are encouraging such tight competitive games between people who are really close in ability to you so you get these sort of slight margins which decide games which are often things which you feel are out of your control so those things are really frustrating. But actually, for EA, I think they've probably done some good things in terms of um, people feeling like they need to spend money to build a better team um, because you see how much difference that can actually make in the game. Um, you know, in the past, I was quite happy to play with silver players. And really, that just seems crazy now. So I think from EA's perspective, 
unfortunately, they probably do see uh, the competitive side of things, foot champs, um, as a positive for you know their income. In fairness to EA, though, Ben, I mean they they have they've taken steps. They've brought out the the weekly objectives where there are pretty decent rewards really for winning a certain number of online games with silver players. So I think that this is really one area where their ears have been open they have heard the feedback and they've acted upon it to change it i mean it's not but then the pro- but then the ultimate the ultimate problem with that is yes those rewards are relatively good but then if you look at them compared to getting gold one and foot champs they're not yeah that no i take that that's point. the problem the whole foot champs thing is just skewed everyone's opinion on what is a good thing and what is a bad thing even this sw- foot swap um this month's foot swap i think it is like mad good Excellent. Like, yeah. mad good. And, like, and people have said, oh, it's good, but not as much as they should. Like, that Goretzka's card, that Ben that Ben Foden card for doing those requirements, which aren't difficult. They aren't difficult. And, if you again, the other thing you've got to remember, you take foot champs out of the equation, you've only got to play about 30 games over the whole week to do them, as long right. as you get good results. But you put foot champs on top of it, and you're like, well, this is so much work. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think I, I actually just wanted to say because I saw quite a bit of negativity about those foot swap cards. What was it? I, I agree that, that it'd been, what, what, it'd been what was nice. the negativity yeah. about, that, that, about that foot swap? I, I, I can see why people maybe wanted new cards, whereas these are re-releases. But this whole promo has been about you know re-releasing cards, so I can see why they did it. Um, the current one that's out at the moment, and also the fact that obviously you know people have to put in perspective casual players. This is great for them. You yeah. know, they're going to get high-rated informs. They can submit to SBCs. Um, they've got genuine quality cars like Goretzka, who could even get upgrades that they can get hold of pr- pretty easily. I know a lot of people are saying getting all those foot swap cards is difficult. We started a foot swap tracker at foot swap alerts and having tracked the players for a month alongside Foothead um, Luke um, doing it as well. It's really not massively difficult if you're playing 10 to 20 games a week you know and you don't have to be competing the top level to be able to do those objectives um, and get at least you know six six foot swap cards that's not even half and you get an 87 rated inform this is great for casual players and, and anyone who on twitter wants to tell you that this is bad then they're just not appreciating the people out there who play the game on a casual basis and i had messages from people friends in real life who were saying how great you know the foot swaps looked this month and, and nobody in the community that we deal with was really saying that so people have to put things into context sometimes i think when they criticize like that amen 100 percent. well said so just to close off this section, we had a question from Casper um, at other GFR, who's a, a regular listener, actually, I recognise his Twitter handle. So he says, um, the state of the game, AI defending is too overpowered, tackling very underpowered, 1v1 finishing is so inconsistent. I've been playing for years and I've never experienced a game this unrewarding. There's no skill gap. So I'll start off by asking, what would you say to people who are saying that there's no skill gap? Well, to begin with, I, I take issue with the way the question's phrased, saying that it's too overpowered, OK? The the defensive AI is what it is. It's it's just the way that it is. Saying that it's too overpowered is just an opinion, OK? It's strong, and it's maybe exacerbated by the fact that the attacking AI isn't as, as brilliant as it could be. But the issue is really with the, the person playing the game. If, if you're trying techniques against the AI that aren't working then you're obviously going to struggle. And if you keep trying to, to force that upon the game and it's not working, you're going to lose games. But really, the essence of this, in, in terms of the skill gap specifically, is that the players who are capable of adapting to this and, and trying different approaches in attack, 
who are, who are getting better at skill moves, who are learning which ones will, will open the AI and when to execute them, which angles to take and build up. They're the players who are going to be able to penetrate the defensive AI and are going to be able to create more chances and score more goals. And to me, surely, that is the actual definition of a skill gap. Mm, I suppose people might say, well, but there's no skill in defending then. Yeah, it's a fair point to an extent. I mean, nobody's going to sit here and argue that that the AI is not strong. It, it, it's about balance again. It's back to what Ian was talking about earlier. Finding that balance between enabling people to create chances and stopping them from creating too many chances. I mean, we don't we don't want a game where we're getting results of eleven eight and what have you. Is that what people want? It's yeah. not what I, I want. Mean, Look, personally, just to chime in quickly before Ian comes in, one of the worst things in any FIFA game, which if you've played FIFA a lot, you'll have experienced it at some point over the years, is underpowered AI defending because it yeah. is horrible. You feel like you just can't defend at all. The players are everywhere. You can only move one player. AI defending has to be good. Otherwise, you're basically playing without a defense. Yes. Uh, Ian, go on. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily find that the... Well, yeah, no. The defense is overpowered, but then on saying that, you you still get you still get scores in football that you'd get in normal football matches. You know, I still when I'm exactly. when I'm playing w- weekend league, it will normally be I'll lose by one or two goals, and every now and again I'll absolutely thump someone, or someone will absolutely thump me, which is how football goes. You know, and it's mm. like you're saying there is probably ways of getting around it. Like at the minute, I know for a fact I'm getting much better using skill moves and I'll probably focus on using four to five star skillers. I probably can't use anything else at the minute and I'll always manage to get down the wing, get some space. And I can't, once I'm in the box, I don't really know what I'm doing. What have I done to solve that? I've just continued to do it and hoping it works every now and again. So there's things you can actually work on, you know? Like it would be mad if a premiership manager came out after a game and went, oh, it's ridiculous. Like the other team's defence, it's just impossible to get past. I don't, know, I don't know what you're expecting me to do here. I've tried everything. I've spent a fortune on players and they just won't get past that right back. You're so right. Although I'm, I'm sure there have been managers who've actually well, said that, to be honest. That. Come on. Yeah. No, I'll do Something isn't working and you've got to do something to get round it. And also, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a game. If you're not willing to do that, put your controller down. Go and have sex mm. with somebody or do whatever you want to do with your spare time. <laughs> Talk to a real person. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, but some people are into it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's other things, there's other things you I've... can do. If, this game, if you don't like the aspects of this game, then play another game. Like, it's not the end. It really isn't the end of the world. And I don't mean it in a really aggressive, like, well, if you don't like it, lump it. Like, that isn't what's being said here. It's just a case of, like, there is ways around it because I've watched it on Twitch and it is boring to watch. That's another thing that we've not even got into this. It's quite boring to watch FIFA. But I've watched guys absolutely tear AI defending apart. There is yeah. ways of doing hmm. it. It's just really difficult. And if you... it, it can be done. It's, 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 it's back to this Darwinism, isn't it? Adapt and survive or just keep doing the same old bloody thing. And you know, Essentially, all I'm trying to say is if a game the way a game mechanic or the way a game looks or the way a game feels isn't for you, then you just have to not play that game. The, to counteract that argument, if a game has got fundamental flaws in it that are being overlooked because it doesn't make business sense to change it, that's a different thing altogether. 
And of course, if you see any of these fundamental flaws, as we've been saying, do continue to send them to the right people, to Zaro, to Corey, to us, so that we can submit them through the Game Changers network. And any other Game Changers as well can also have a very direct line into providing feedback. So if you find anything that you want to feedback on, just send a very simple constructive message if it's a bug you know let us know what time the issue happened what console your gamer tag all those kind of things um your credit card details um sort code etc and we'll make sure they get sorted but also of course we did mention we have methods for countering some of the most common complaints that's counters to ai defending part the bus and all that good stuff coming up after the break for now though we're gonna have to say goodbye to ian because he's got some important tv business to attend to i think yeah well i've just started a brand new show that's starting on sky one very soon called comedian watching football with friends it's like goggle box but it's a bunch of comedians watching the football so i'm essentially getting paid to watch football so i'm I'm living the dream well that is the dream that is the, the, the only thing um, better than that TV show is doing this podcast. So thank you for having me. And before yeah. I go, I just think uh, we should all say a massive happy birthday to Ben. If you're listening to podcasts, I think you should all sing along with us as we do a little happy rendition. Happy birthday to you. You live in a zoo. You look <laughs> like a monkey. And, and you smell like one, one too. I've not sung that first of that song in many years. <laughs> I mean, that's what people come for. Mature, you know, uh, erudite commentary on the foot world and fantastic renditions of Happy Birthday. So thank you very much for joining us, Ian. Really appreciate it. Thank you it. once again for I know that taxi's waiting. It so. is appreciated. My Addison Lee is outside, so I better go. I love you all. And Steve, I'll be listening to it because the AI defendant is doing my head in so I will be listening to the second part so make it good for sure whatever you're saving up for a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate right now earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8 month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14 month CD special learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash CD specials Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. What is going on, everybody? My name is Japes, and you're listening to the Foot Weekly Podcast. Hello, and welcome back after the break. Been a while since I've said that, and been a while since there's been a Foot Weekly break. Steve, how did you enjoy that one? Very interesting, Ben. The old discussion about the uh, the low driven finesse and what have you. I think we're finally getting to the bottom of that one. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done some digging, and basically, one of the myths that was going around was this idea that there's such thing as a low driven finesse. And while there looks like there's one because of the animation, if I mean, basically, those who don't know about this, what you do is you power up a finesse, and then as you go to take the shot, you press LB and RB, so the low driven buttons. And it does the, well, what's actually doing is the animation for a finesse, but executing a low driven. That's correct, isn't it, Steve? I'm, yeah, I'm that's my understanding. Yeah. yeah, It does seem to create maybe a tiny bit of spin, but I don't think it's going to have any real benefit in beating the keeper. But people thought it was very effective because it keeps the ball much lower. What I've realized is actually, if you hold L1, R1, LB, RB for longer, you basically keep the ball lower. Yeah. That kind of explains why people feel it's more effective. And it means that you shouldn't need to perform that finesse bit before you actually hit the low driven to um, achieve the same result, pretty much. 
Yeah, it's, it's more a matter of timing. I mean, I, I think we both spent a lot of time in the in the practice arena trying this so-called low-driven finesse, and both mm. came to pretty much the same conclusion that if there is any action on the ball at all, it's, it's pretty much minimal. I think maybe people were deceived into believing it was a bit more exaggerated just because of the fact that the player actually performs the finesse animation. And, and also, obviously, it was very effective last year, so I guess people were kind of looking to it to, Absolutely. to be the finishing saviour, if you like, um, of FIFA 19, which is something still people are, are really struggling with, you know, myself included. I find more so than ever finishing stats on a player and composure, etc., having a big impact on whether I score chances or not. Well, we all know um, that the uh, the low-driven is back these days, Ben, don't we? The, uh, the near-post low-driven in particular seems to be the... Uh... The yeah. shot du jour. Exactly. And one of the things that we're going to discuss around this is, you know, people playing part of the bus, um, drop back. And, and there was one particular listener who tweeted us and, and asked, have you got any tips on tactics slash personnel for getting the best out of my defence? He's currently full tilt on drop back. Um, he's using back off drop back and uh, he's quite narrow he's got good in and um, titty as the center backs and he's asking is there any way to be more organized i wonder whether if you're playing drop back you would want to be any more organized but what are your thoughts on that steve yeah i saw that tweet that's um philip camp nine i believe yeah thanks for dropping his name enough <laughs> it's yeah i mean exactly what you said is how do you become more organized you basically become more organized by being more organized make sure that you don't pull defenders out of position A helpful way to look at defence is to kind of consider it in the way that it's a prevalent idea in American sports and to consider it as almost a zone defence. So look at each defender as as having his own zone that he's responsible for and kind of be reluctant to pull them out of those zones. That that would probably be the best advice I could give in terms of of, of maintaining shape and organisation. Yeah, and I suppose one thing I'd say is I don't know, I, I appreciate people are playing drop back, but we were discussing about people getting frustrated with FIFA 19 earlier in the podcast, but when I was playing drop back, it, it really did restrict my enjoyment of the game, I suppose. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I, I've obviously had to try playing it to, to try and figure out ways around it. Um, the thing that I don't like about it is that you're basically limited to counter-attacking, and that's it, that's, that's your only way out, really. Um, mm. Yeah, as you say, absolutely limiting. And in terms of drop back and, and playing against it, we promised some discussion about the best ways to break down the AI defence. So, Steve, what is the best way to do that in your view? Right. This is something that I often come back to. And it's, it's something that, again, it, it's something that applies across every sport that, that's in existence, really. Often, it'll all come down to a matter of, of simple ma- mathematics. If your opponent is defending with eight players you're obviously going to struggle to break him down if you're attacking with four. It's really a matter of just tilting the numbers back in your favour a little bit. But Mm. by doing that, you've got to be careful as well, because, you know, as we've just identified, if somebody is playing drop back, their way out, their way of attacking you, is purely going to be through the counter-attack. So you've got to make sure, you've got to find, again, you know, I think... If, if this podcast had a title, it would probably be called Balance, because, again, we're talking about balance here. We're talking about being able to get the numbers forward, but at the same time, not making yourself vulnerable at the back. So how do you do that? Well, generally speaking, if, if you're playing a four at the back formation, if, you're, if your opponent is defending deep, you'll often find yourself with four players at the back who are, to all intents and purposes, completely redundant especially if you've got your full back set to stay back while attacking. 
So if you take those four players out of the equation, plus your goalkeeper, you're five players down. That means that if you if you pushed all of your remaining players forward, at best you'd be creating six against eight. You you have to make sure that you're you're maximising your potential in the best way possible. And and quite often the mistake that people make is that their full backs will push on slightly, so they're left with the two centre backs. And they've got no because they're attacking with the, the centre mids, they'll be playing one-twos perhaps. They've got no centre defensive midfielder shielding what is effectively now a back two with the full-backs pushed on. So when the counter-attack comes, quite often it'll be the case that the guy who's playing drop-back will have, let's say it's a 4-1-2-1-2 one, two, one, two narrow. There'll be a triangle. There's normally an attacking trio of two strikers and a cam. This, this is generally how people play drop-back. So the problem is is how do you defend these three attackers with your two centre-backs? The answer is to go to a three-at-the-back formation because then you're not sacrificing the four players at the back. You have the extra players in midfield. You have potentially the extra attacker too, but you still have the three men back who are capable of soaking up the counter-attack. And really, that I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, when you're faced with mm. somebody who's counter-attacking, you're not necessarily looking to to win possession back. What you, what you're doing, what you're focusing on, is trying to slow down the counter attack so that your your midfielders, your fullbacks, whatever they may be, um, you're basically buying them time to recover, to make their recovery runs, and get back into positions where they can defend. So it basically takes the sting out of the counter attack. Would be a good way of describing it. So. Getting back to the solution that I've come up with, cut a long story short, it's, it's the three-one-four-two formation, which I find provides the best balance between getting those numbers forward, giving you enough oomph, if you like, in an attacking sense, that you've, you've got options. You've got options across the pitch. The spacing is good, so you can explore one angle, and if there's nothing there, you can come back and explore another one. And... You have a lot of passing triangles in it as well, which is very important when somebody's playing drop back, because what you're looking to do is effectively open up a hold in their defence. Um, as, as Philip mentioned in his tweet, you know, how does he become more organised? That is really the key to a successful drop back, being organised. And what you're looking to do when you're attacking it is moving the ball around with your attacking players. Triangles are great because what often happens is that your opponent will take control of one of his defenders and he'll start getting drawn towards the ball. So instead of player switching, he'll move one of his players, a centre-back perhaps, he'll start chasing the ball and that will create a gap. And that is basically the key to unlocking the drop-back. And the three-one-four-two is just, in my experience, is the most effective way of, of dealing with it. And I think one of the key things about this formation is it works quite effectively against a 4-2-3-1 or, you know, 4-2-3-1, brackets 2 maybe, yeah. formations because you have that three at the back and the left centre-back, right centre-back can kind of cover those wide forward positions, I guess, yeah. um, if they need to. But you've also got the right mid, left mid to drop back and come in and help as well. One of the things that you have as well is that CDM just in front to combat their cam and your central centre back can look after the striker because yeah. one of the things that I was using before was the three um, four 
2-1 against narrow formations. So like the 4-1-2-1-2, brackets 2. And in that formation, you basically got your three centre-backs dealing with the three attackers of the opposition. Yeah. Um, and generally, they don't, you know, someone's not really offering that much more an attack in that formation. So it was quite comfortable in dealing with that. But as you say, in that four, when you're playing against that 4-2-3-1, you need that CDM and the three centre-backs to really, I guess, combat that attacking four. Initially, I was a bit concerned about how well this held up against the four one two one two narrow, because as you say, you do inevitably end up with that three versus three. And what I've found from watching other people play it is that quite often people will be way, way too aggressive. You've got to be into the mindset of you're not trying to, as I say, you're not trying to disrupt the attack by winning the ball. You're just trying to slow it down. And again, hmm. it's about maintaining shape, structure and positioning. You're just trying to make sure that you're your three defenders are effectively just staying in their lanes and and mm-hmm. putting the onus on the attackers beating them and getting in behind them. Because if you start being aggressive with those three centre-backs, you're effectively you're running the risk of doing the, the opponent's job job for him, effectively. You're, instead of making him get his attackers behind you, you can end up in a position where you're effectively putting your defenders ahead of his attackers. And that is the last thing that you want to do. Yeah, and we should say that this is all available on your Twitter as well, isn't it? If people want to you know, take down all the detailed info, the instructions uh, and, and settings on the tactics as well. It is indeed, yeah. Um, it's not actually my pinned tweet um, for business reasons. Obviously, my pinned tweet provides details of how to book coaching sessions. But maybe I can attach it as a tweet to the podcast when it's released. Yeah, that sounds good. And also, we should point out as well that I think Chime... Pro player had a bit of uh, involvement in the creation of these tactics as well. Absolutely. Old Chime, the uh, the mad professor of tactics, he, he tends to adopt a very aggressive approach, um, which suits his his particular game style. Is that because he's like ridiculously good at defending or something? He's he's an absolute animal when it comes to defending, yeah. He's incredibly aggressive. He reads the game really well and he can pull it off. Um, but for general consumption, I tend to find that I have to sort of take his tactics and tone them down a bit for for us mere mortals to be able to uh, to get some use out of them but yeah big shout out to Chime. um on twitter if you want to follow Chime, definitely recommend it he's at c-h-i-m-e-c-d-a one thing i think people won't actually find on your twitter and uh they might see through various suggestions you've made to people, the ridiculous number of people who've sent their squads into you <laughs> over the past couple of weeks, is what players to play in certain positions. First of all, Steve, are there certain positions which need certain work rates? Yeah, I think that the um, idea that you get drawn to when you're playing three at the back is to have wide midfielders that can get up and down the pitch because the first idea that, that comes to mind is that you want them to be joining the attack and then dropping back to make that five at the back when when you're not in possession. So... I initially tried it with high high and I found that they were just sort of caught in no man's land all the time. Um, so I settled in the end on having high medium with one of the wide midfielders coming back on defence. That seemed to do the trick. The centre backs, I've seen a lot of people trying to use left backs because of the pace that you need at the centre back position. That's fine, but be wary of the work rates again. You don't want a centre back that's going to get distracted and join the attack and, and leave you with just the two at the back. That defeats the entire object. Try and use centre backs there if you can. Defensive mid needs to be a good defender. Again, ideally with a high defensive work rate. And really, I guess to an extent, um, the rest of it is really down to, to personal preference. You know, that the, there has to be some sort of leeway in order to enjoy the game. You know, we don't really want to be using a 
a prescribed set of tactics or, or players yeah, yeah. that you know we don't have any wriggle room with i guess in terms of player types would you say say center mids for example your two center mids you want them to kind of have attacking ability but have some defensive ability yeah pretty much i mean again you know i tried various combinations Somebody that I found worked really well that surprised me was Paolo Dybala, um, who is, I think I'm correct in saying that he's high medium. And obviously he's, he's more attack orientated. But if you're, if you're going to do that, you need to make sure that you've got some sort of counterbalance with your other CM and that he's a bit more defensively minded. Again, you know, balance. That's, that's really the, uh, the key issue here. And I guess in wide midfield positions, you kind of want players who can go box to box again, but probably with quite a bit of pace. Yeah, so I mean, it's yeah, it's it's important to make sure that you don't have any real slouches there. You want somebody who's who's quite mobile, quite quick. If they've got some sort of defensive ability, that's great. You know, somebody like Juan Cuadrado, mm-hmm. he's your kind of ideal model, I suppose. But yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of important to note that quite often when when we're in a game of FIFA, we don't necessarily pay attention to who the who the opponent is using to defend us all the time. You know, it's often just mm-hmm. a case of, oh, look, there's a body in front of me and the assumption is that they're, they're capable of defending. So quite often, you know, you can get away with just having a body there defending. It, it, it will cause your opponent, it will disrupt his attack just by actually having a physical presence there. Especially if you're not trying to win the ball high, right? You're, you're trying to force them to slow their attack down. And therefore, I guess with those players, you're not necessarily having to kind of go in and make a tackle quickly. Exactly. Your, your opponent is not necessarily going to be able to distinguish between Paolo Dybala and, let's say, Allen, based on the collection of pixels that are, that are in front of him. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. So effective tactic and one that I've seen a lot of love for all over the place, really. You haven't played that many games, as I said, with that tactic. But um, when I've used it, it's certainly done well. So that's, uh, for me perfect against 4-2-3-1 um, formations and then in my humble opinion the the 3-4-2-1 which I mentioned in the past podcast I'm still using it against narrow formations so if if you have those two set up on your attacking instructions I think that's a really nice balanced um, I guess chasing tactic but it's also something you can use early doors if you want to um, and then I have like another two formations set up for, for defensive options um, in four, four at the back is that kind of roughly how you're setting up at the moment Steve? Yeah I mean I, I'm kind of um, I'm alternating between that and the, the good old four two three one narrow mm. not for the finesse meta anymore obviously but because let us not forget that the um, the lobbed cross to the far post with the big striker the, the Ibrahimovic or the Ronaldo um, it's still incredibly overpowered, so people shouldn't sleep on that as well. So a nice bit of tactical uh, discussion, which is how we like to do things every now and again on the Foot Weekly podcast. Um, a good a good little formation to use. We had the Air Japes one uh, not so long ago, and now the Steve slash Chime 3142 for people to try out. As always, if you've enjoyed this formation, then get in touch and tell us how you got on with it. I think Steve's had quite a lot of positive feedback already, but um, always good to hear more. Yeah, it's been well received. Uh, if people want to stay across any other tactical developments, they can obviously do so by following me on Twitter, at the Foot Coach. And I think we talked about this on the last podcast, actually. I think I just started, but I'm now streaming also on a regular basis on Twitch. Um, the gameplay isn't really great um, because we're struggling with delay, but it's a good excuse to uh, to hang a, a good old chat about, about FIFA maybe pass on a few gameplay tips and, and get a good old dialogue going. So that's on a Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 10pm GMT. I hope to see some of you there. Finally then, Steve, thank you very much for joining us this week. It's been a pleasure. 
Yep, great to be back on the, I was going to say on the air, but I suppose I'm kind of more in people's pockets, I suppose. Great to be back in people's yeah. pockets. In people's ears? In people's I mean, ears. that sounds a bit weird, but Perhaps, no, I suppose. I mean, Glad yeah. to be back. All right, great to be back indeed. Thank you, listeners. And as always, if you don't subscribe, you can do so various ways, various foot podcasting platforms and all the good stuff there. And of course, follow us as well at Foot Weekly Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Foot Weekly Ben and catch up with some of my Boston adventures. See you very soon. Listener, if you're finding things difficult or someone you know is, that's where the calm zone comes in. If you're feeling down and things are particularly difficult, then don't hesitate to go to thecalmzone.net for help, support, or just to chat. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.